Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, July the 24th, 2022. It is currently 7.09 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, where it is time to introduce a new week of Bible study. Now, I know this week has closed with, I, I, I don't know how successful we were this week in Bible study. All I can ask is, I can simply ask you, how was your week of Bible study? This, as we just, we are closing a week of studying Luke 10, 25 to 37 and 2 Kings chapter 5. So, so how did it go for you? Was it a successful week? Do you think we accomplished anything? I did my best this morning to try to bring that study of Luke 10 and 2 Kings 5 to some kind of conclusion. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. And I, I can make all kinds of excuses, but I did what I could. I, I may revisit it at some point because I, I, I still think I need to do a little bit of work on it. So be prepared for me to circle back to that in some way, shape, or form, some capacity in a podcast or a sermon preached at, at Victory Baptist Church. Somewhere we will return to that because I just feel there's too much there. I just feel that it's one of those stories that everyone knows. It's like, you know, hey, here's the story of the Good Samaritan. Be like him. And then that's that. it's just kind of taught as, you know, a moral lesson. Here's, here's the system of morality that should characterize your life. Seek to be like the Good Samaritan, right? And I just feel there's so many profound theological issues in that story. So we didn't, we didn't even scratch the surface, but I did the best I could, and hopefully you got something out of it. But let's do this. What we're going to do in this episode is obviously we're going to introduce a new week of Bible study. And for this, you may end up with two introductions, but for this introduction, we're only going to focus on the the next New Testament passage that we're going to be looking at. Uh, there is there is also if you if you're looking at the curriculum, you'll notice there's something else in Second Kings. I'm not going to mention Second Kings. I'm just going to mention a passage in the New Testament that, and I want to connect it in one way to what we just did in Luke 10. But we we're going to approach this uh, passage probably from a lot of different perspectives. And, and I really want you to put your thinking caps on. This is very important because, because I, I have a fear, I have fear and a feeling this is going to happen. When I tell you what the passage of scripture is, there's going to be a, a great tendency for many to go, real, uh, that I'm not interested. I'm not interested in that. Wait until you give me something exciting. What do you give me something good? And I hope you don't do that, right? And, and, on, for one reason, because of its, I feel that it's very much interesting that it comes right after our Luke 10 study, but I think we're going to approach it from so many different perspectives that even though you may think it's boring, I hope that I can find something, find an approach that maybe make you look at it from a different perspective, all right? That will all make sense in a minute. So here we go. Let's go back to Luke chapter 10. Let's go back to Luke chapter 10. Verse 25, Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
And he said unto him, speaking of Jesus, Jesus speaks unto this lawyer, what is written in the law? How readest thou? That you're an expert on the law? What does the law say? And the lawyer responds, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So simply put, what, what do you have to do to inherit eternal life? Love. What do you need to do? You need to love God with every aspect of your being, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. So what do you need to do to be saved? Well, according to the law, it is love. Loving God supremely and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's the answer the lawyer gives because he thinks the way you get eternal life is by what you do. And then, this is very important, um, Jesus answered and said, do this, right? This do or do this and thou shalt live. Okay, if that's what the law says and you're looking to be justified by the law, go do it and you will live. Go do it and you will live. Now, I would hope any biblically sound Christian would go, you can't love that way. You can't do that. You're going to fall short. So therefore, you would never be saved. You need Christ. And I think on on one hand, Christians would say amen to that. But then we turn around and we preach those two aspects of the law or those two parts of keeping the law. In fact, the whole law is summarized in those two points. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me carefully. Many Christians turn around, and even though they say you can't do it, then they turn around and say, hey, how do you know you're saved? You love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Well, wait a minute. If you say you can't do it in order to be saved, how can you turn around and make it a proof that you're saved? But you go listen to sermons that that talk about what are the two, what are the greatest command, what's the greatest commandment? To love God and love neighbor. See, and then it will be said, you have to, this is the test to prove you're saved. Many preachers preach it that way. Well, wait a minute. If I can't do it in order to save me, how can I do it sufficiently enough to prove that I'm saved? And it almost is taught in many evangelical churches. But when you become saved, now you can love God supremely. You now can love your neighbor as yourself, even though everything around us constantly screams, we are not loving our neighbor. We're not loving God, but we will convince that we're doing it to such a sufficient level that somehow it proves we're saved, which basically turns salvation right back into a works-based system. So I think it's very important to just understand that perspective, but here's what I want to do. If the greatest commandment or Let me state it this way. If what we are to do to inherit eternal life is to love God supremely and love our neighbor as ourself, I think we have a very important question to answer this week. If last week, who is your neighbor? And we realize that really the question should be, am I truly being the right Am I loving my neighbor correctly? I think that's the right, I think that's what Jesus was really trying to say. Stop asking who is your neighbor and asking yourself, are you loving people the way the law demands that you love people? And we kind of talked about that this morning. But if 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 that's the, the supposed demand of the law is to love, then here is the most obvious question any good Bible student should have. After reading Luke 10, 25 to 37, you should be asking a question. Well, wait a minute. 
If the demands of the law is love God supremely and love your neighbor as yourself, then what is love? What is love? What is love? Now, we use the word. We use the word a lot for lots of different things. Some will say it's a word that's been so cheapened by the human race. I don't know if we even know what the concept is. If it was to drive up and hit us in the head with a brick and drove, I don't think we would even recognize it. We've so destroyed the meaning of the word. We've so cheapened it that I think now we don't even really know what it is. And not only have we cheapened it, we, I, we convince ourselves in many cases that we are, you know, loving others the way we're supposed to or we're loving God when clearly we are not. I don't think we, I think we are absolutely clueless when it comes to the subject. So what is love? Well, if you look at the curriculum for this week, it's unit two, session two. And according to the curriculum, what does love look like? What does love look like? That's that's the question they seek to answer. I'm going to say, what is love? Not what does it look like? What actually is love? Because if the law says, hey, you need to love, in order to be saved, and I and I will argue, and clearly in Luke ten, I think of what Jesus is demonstrating: you will never do this. You will never do this sufficiently. And I think people would say Amen. But many Christians will walk around and go, No, no, your love proves you're saved. Your love proves that you're saved. Your love proves that you're saved. Really? Okay. Well, if love proves that I'm saved, if that's the way you're going to try to argue, well, then you got to define exactly what love is. And I think you're going to start demonstrating once we get a good actual understanding of what love is, you'll have to start determining that no one is saved, including you. Ooh, nobody likes that, do they? So here's what we're going to do. If you click on, if you're, if you're looking at the curriculum, again, if you want access to the curriculum, just email us, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Oh, look. 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 We see it. And, 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 and But please note exactly what they're going to do. Oh, as, as Christians, we do this so many times. Oh, man. Okay. There's so much to talk about here. Okay. So let me state this again. Last week, all right, and I say last week because obviously we concluded it today, but it was last week's study and we're, and we're introducing a new week. So the last study that we just accomplished was Luke 10, 25 to 37, as we have now mentioned multiple times. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. And we always teach it like, be like the Good Samaritan, be like him, do that. Do it. Do this. And we, and we use it as here's a, here's a law that you must follow. Follow the, are you being like the Good Samaritan? Are you being like the Good Samaritan? Are you being like the Good Samaritan? We, we preach it as a system of morality. Well, when it comes to love, we preach it something like this. You're supposed to love others as God has loved you. We turn love right back into a law, right? You need to love others as God has loved you. Now, let me ask you, have, will you ever come within a billion miles of loving others the way God has loved you? Will you ever come within, I mean, anywhere close to that? 
It's, it's the same thing when the Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy. We take that and then run around telling everyone, you need to be holy as God is holy. You need to be as holy as God is holy. Do you think anyone will ever actually accomplish that? Now you're saying, and I know what you're going to tell me, you're saying we should just not try. No, what I'm saying is we have to understand that there are these situations where the Bible seems to point us to a certain behavior that we have to realize that we cannot do it. And so we need the righteousness or we need the obedience to that command coming from someone else because we are never going to accomplish that. And I believe that obedience is imputed to us by Jesus Christ. We have to look to Jesus Christ. I will never be as holy as God is holy in my practice, but Christ was as holy as God is holy because, well, he's the second person of the Trinity. He's divine. He's God. Well, his holiness is imputed to me. So in Christ, I am as holy as God is holy. And guess what? Christ loves perfectly. In him, I do love others the way I'm supposed to, but not in practice. So even when it comes to love, we we do this. Now, I know you're saying, but what are we going to be studying this week? Obviously, we're going to be studying the subject of love. Obviously, we're going to be trying to figure out what, what is love? What, 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 you know, what is love? That, that's what we're going to be trying to figure out. What actually is love? You, you, you know where we're going. This week, unit two, session two. First Corinthians chapter 13, one through 13. First Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 1 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Now, remember how this works. You need to spend your week intimately, intimately getting to know 1 Corinthians 13. You need to read it and 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 listen to it and listen to it and listen to it. If audio Bibles, whatever, whatever apps you have, whatever. If you have the Blue Letter Bible app, just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or just uh, put in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It'll bring it up. Just tap on the on the first verse and it, you, it will ask you if you want to read the, uh, the chapter to you seven times and just listen to it. Listen to it every single day. The more time you spend with it, the more it becomes a part of you. And remember, you have to read. The, the tipping point is where you read a chapter so much that you stop studying it and it starts studying you. I continue to say that over and over and over again. But I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read it in the Bible that I have, just the one that's open. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. It begins this way. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for, for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect 
comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh, there's so much in this chapter, so much. Now, now this is very important to make sure we draw a distinction. The goal of this week is not to learn everything in 1 Corinthians 13. The goal this week is to figure out what love actually is. What is love? That's your goal this week. Because if we're supposed to love, and and the law says, you know, basically, you, if you want to be saved by the law, you got to keep the law perfectly. Therefore, you've got to love God supremely and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we have to define what that love is, which will once again demonstrate your inability to actually f- fulfill the law, which hopefully should drive you to the foot of the cross. But also, if you run around telling everyone love for God and love for neighbor is proof of salvation, well, if you're going to tell everyone that, you got to know what love actually is. And I think once you do, once again, you'll realize your proof is fraudulent. Your proof is is not your proof is not accurate because uh, you fall short of an any meaningful living out a true understanding of what love is. And First Corinthians thirteen is a chapter that really defines what it is. So here's your homework for this week. Outline. 1 Corinthians 13. Doesn't have to be an extensive outline, just a pretty basic, simplistic outline. You can group things together. It doesn't have, you can, whatever you need to do, just work on an outline, all right? That just forces you to read it and read it and read it. Remember, your outline is not interpretive, it's observational. So just an observational outline, getting the contents of 1 Corinthians 13 onto a piece of paper, all right? That's very simple, very straightforward. Please do that. Now, we're going to flip this. What would, My next assignment is to turn this completely upside down because the way I always preach this, the way so many people preach this, is you come to 1 Corinthians 13 and you tell everyone, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. This, this, this will prove you're saved. If you don't love people like that, you're not saved. Right? Almost, we almost immediately turn it into a law presentation. I don't want to do that. Here's what I want you to do to, at the beginning of this week. I want you to, so basically read the chapter, obviously over and over and over, outline it. That's simple, right? Nothing difficult. Don't, don't make it more difficult than it is. Just a simple observational outline. Try to bring the contents on, uh, that's, the verses onto paper so that you can observe it. You don't have to be super clever. You can use the language found in the text itself. Just make sure you're not interpreting anything, all right? So read, outline. And then number three, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through 1 Corinthians 13, and I want you to look at everything it says about love. Everything it says about love, everything it does to define what love actually is, everything it does to explain what love is. And then I want you to try to demonstrate 
that God, that Christ, actually fulfilled what demonstrated. They actually fulfilled what love actually is. Like, here's what love is, and God demonstrated that, well, he truly has the right kind of, how can I say this? We know the Bible says God is love. You should know that. All right, so okay, let me let me do this. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to do this because I, because I, we, because this is so important to flip this around the way it's typically preached. All right, so here's what I want you to do: read First Corinthians 13 over and over and over and over. Outline it. Number three, I want you to find the verse or verses in the Bible that specifically demonstrates that God is love. And that God loves, right? So read 1 Corinthians 13, outline it, just find the verses that clearly says God is love and, and it, that God is love and that God loves, right? Very simple. You, you don't need to interpret them. You don't need to cross-reference anything. Just this verse says God is love. This verse says God loves, right? Any verse that speaks of God loves or Christ demonstrating love or, or, or you no. Know, not demonstrating, any verse that specifically says God is love or God loves or Christ loves, all right? Not not them demonstrating it, just verses that specifically says God is love or God loves or Christ loves, obviously, you know, any, any member of the Trinity. And let me state it that way, any member of the Trinity, all right? So read 1 Corinthians 13, outline it, find all the verses that says God is love or that God loves. Not verses that you say, well, that demonstrates love. No, 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 no. You're not doing that right now. I just want you to find those verses that specifically says God loves, right? Specifically says God loves. Because if he does, this becomes very important for the next point, all right? Everyone runs to 1 Corinthians 13 and looks to our obligation first, right? But what I want you to do is I want you to then take 1 Corinthians 13, look at everything it says about love, and I want you to find verses that demonstrates God demonstrates that kind of love. You're going to already have the verses that says God is love. You're already going to have verses that says God loves. Now you're going to have, for example, um, love is patient, now, you just find all the verses that demonstrate that God or Christ is patient. There you go. That, that means love is patient. God is love. Therefore, God is going to demonstrate patience. Love is kind. Show the kindness of God, right? Because if God is love, he's going to love this. He's going to demonstrate this love. Because what I want you to see before this week is out is that the only one Whoever meets, whoever demonstrates this kind of love is God. That's what I want you to see. This always immediately turns into your obligation and what you're supposed to do. And then you run around thinking, convincing yourself that you're doing it. If you were honest, you would realize how you're, uh, hopefully by the end of this week, you're going to realize how much you fall short of it. But I don't want to go there first. I don't want to make it about us first. Oh, so read 1 Corinthians over and over and over, 13, 1 Corinthians 13, over and over. Outline it. I want you to find all the scriptures that says God is love and that God loves. Not, again, I don't find verses that says, well, he, he demonstrated it. No, no, no. Just those verses at the, for this step in the, in the study that God loves, that God loves, and God is love. 
There you go. Then next, what I want you to do is go through everything in 1 Corinthians 13 that gives us an idea of what love is. Love is patient. Okay. God is love. God loves. Okay. Well, if God is love and and God, if God loves and God is love, then clearly God is patient. Find the verses that specifically shows or specifically states he is patient or demonstrates his patience. Love is kind. Love is kind. All right. Find the verses that states God is kind or that demonstrates his kindness. Now, the next one, you may have to do a little bit of work. Uh, Love does not envy. Now, do you have verses that show that God does not envy? Now, uh, some translations use this word. This one may require a little work this week. I'm going to go 1 Corinthians 13. This translation says this. Charity suffereth long. Okay, there's patience. And is kind. Charity envieth not. So it uses the same concept. But you've got to demonstrate where God doesn't do that. Verses that specifically says he doesn't do that or demonstrates he doesn't do that. That's your assignment for this week. Read 1 Corinthians 13 over and over and over. Outline it. Just a simple observational outline. Don't include any interpretation. Number three, find the verses that specifically says God is love and that God loves. Should not take you long. Should be pretty quick, pretty simple. You can use whatever. You can use whatever. You can use any, you can use any resource material you have. All right. This is not the goal here is not so much about getting you through. No, only use this or only no, just whatever. Find the verses. Okay. Then I want you to then. Go everything in 1 Corinthians 13 that defines what love is, that tells us what love is. And then I want you to find the verses that demonstrate God shows that kind of, God shows those things because God is love. If love is kind, well, here are the verses that says God is kind. And here's the verses that demonstrate God be showing kindness or being kind. There, There you have it. We're going to start off by making this not about us. We're going to make this about God. We're going to make this about God first. And trust me, if the law demands that we love, we will never love the way the law demands, especially once we get a correct definition and understanding of what love is, right? I think we're going to see that this week. So then what's our only hope? Some, we have to have the right kind of love imputed to us. And who is the person who has loved correctly? God or in Christ Christ Jesus has demonstrated this kind of perfect love, right? And guess what? His perfect love, his perfect obedience to the law that demands love is imputed to me. And the more you see that this is a God-like love, a Christ-like love, the love of the Trinity, then you're going to see how much you fall short of it every single day. There you go. Feel like I should say more, but I, I don't. I don't want to this evening. I just want to introduce this this week. All right. 
I'm going to do everything I can to do better than last week. Last week, well, I mean, we'll put it, I can't say I'm going to do better than last week. Last week, everything happened, right? I mean, internet went down, power outages. I mean, everything was, everything went crazy uh, last week. So, so there was very little I can do, but this is the beginning of a new week. So all we can do now is move forward. We may make references back to Luke 10 because I think Luke 10 is so important. But I just think this is the right way to approach it. I think this is the right way. I think I'm doing the right thing here. Because whenever I was young, I would look at 1 Corinthians and go, come on. This is the way we, what's wrong with all of you people? This is the way you need to love. If you don't love like this, you prove you're never saved. Somehow convincing myself that I was doing it, which was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. All I can do is like, whoa, okay, who loves like this? Hmm. God is love. Hmm. I bet you it's God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And it's in Christ's love. And he demonstrates the right love to God, and he demonstrates the right love to the neighbor. That's why this morning in Luke 10, I tried to demonstrate who really is the Good Samaritan, not you. The Good Samaritan was despised, was viewed as unclean, was rejected. Christ was seen as unclean, rejected, seen as demon-possessed. But it was him who came and demonstrated true love to others, to those of us who had fallen and been stripped of our clothing and raiment and left for dead. It was Christ who came to us, who then bound us up and saved us and paid the price for us. Christ was the Good Samaritan. Right? So he is the one who loves neighbor as self. And if he doesn't do that, then there's no hope for me before a holy God because I will never love neighbor the way I'm supposed to. So in a roundabout way, Luke 10, the parable, demonstrates our, what we will always fall, fall short of doing. But in a roundabout way, it shows us what Christ did which then tells us, gives us a clue of what love is, but 1 Corinthians 13 defines it. And once we see really what it is, I guarantee you, when you see what love really is, I think you're going to, I've never truly loved. I've never truly loved. Now, from a biblical perspective, it may be the strongest, the most pure human love ever seen by man. It may, you may have experienced a human love that they could write poetry about, make the most romantic movie that's ever existed. It could be the greatest love song ever recorded. It could be the grandest thing from a human perspective that has ever been seen. And the whole world would bow before it and go, I've never seen something so amazing. But before God, I'm telling you, it's corrupted and it falls short. From a biblical perspective, we have never loved ever anywhere close to what would be defined as love. But we will work on us. Right now, we got to see that God has loved the way what he defined. He is the definition of love. If we can see that, that's going to be one that's going to be very hopefully comforting to us, Right? Man, I'm supposed to love God and love others. I'm never going to do that, but Christ did, right? This is what love is. It's going to show us that we, we have nothing to offer God, nothing. All right, I hope that makes sense. I hope it makes sense. All right, let's hope, let's pray, 
My, my, my prayer, my hope is, for those who don't know the situation here, but I will just mention this. Um, we have a, 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 def- a definite COVID situation developed that's had, that is still developing here in this house that I'm currently in. Um, I, I don't believe I have any symptoms yet. There's a couple of times a day I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't feel, say, 100%, but because of everything that's happened over this last week, man, it hasn't been much sleep. So I feel like that it's, I'm just getting to that point where it's like right there. So I'm hoping one good night of sleep. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> then I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to be like, all right, I'm pretty good. And I have to be isolate myself as much as possible because, again, I have no protection at all up to COVID because I couldn't be vaccinated. So I couldn't get out of the vaccination. So I'm not vaccinated. So um, I'm going to be, I'm going to spend a lot of time right here in this room over the next five days. If I don't develop any symptoms, then I hopefully this is going to be a good week of Bible study. I'm going to be limited in what I can do, but I'm going to make use of what, I'm going to be limited in what I can do, but I'm going to do what I can do. And hopefully we can have a good week of Bible study. Hopefully, I'm hoping. I'm hoping this proves to be beneficial. So if you need the curriculum, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Any, I just, any discussion, talk, any thoughts, anything about what we're going to be doing this week, let me know. And hopefully I've explained everything to the best of my ability. I wanted to do far more. I wanted to do more teaching today, uh, but... You have to know the one thing with my seizure disorder. I think one thing I have learned is that there are clear times where you, there's a, I I can't explain this. There's just a, a mental feeling you get like, nope, probably shouldn't be in front of a microphone. Not going to have clarity of thought, not going to be, nope, not going to do it. And by, and I was very frustrated with myself the way the Luke 10 study went this morning. But by the time it was over, I realized, you know what? I probably should delete it, but I'm not going to delete it because there's no way I can redo it. But I'm going to leave it. But it's a good indicator that I probably proceed with caution rest of the day. So hopefully I made it through this. And then let's hope tomorrow, wake up and be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do, let's do a bunch of live broadcasting. I mean, I'm stuck here in the studio anyway, per se. So let's just... Make the most of it. We will see. If symptoms start developing with COVID, and it's not like bad enough to go to the hospital, um, I don't know. I don't know what live broadcasting would even be. I mean, I could, it could be, I guess it could be like, here's the daily diary of my COVID journey. But I mean, ever, there, that's been done a, a hundred times now. So there's nothing really intriguing about that. So I don't think you would really benefit from it. Other just listening to me probably sound like death. But let's hope, let's hope that that doesn't happen. And then I'll use this kind of forced isolation as an opportunity to produce something that will benefit you spiritually and, of course, hopefully benefit me spiritually. So, but this is an interesting chapter to look at this week. So let's make the most out of it. And I'll just keep you posted this week and we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what, I don't know what's waiting for, waiting for us this week, but we will see. It's going to be a long five days minimum. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be Saturday, probably about Saturday 
this company, not, well, Friday or Saturday, I think we should have a good indication where everything sits as far as COVID here and hopefully coming out of it. And then if, if, if we, if, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I just, we'll see. We'll just wait and see. So just have your notifications on and whenever I can, I'll turn on the microphone. And even if I don't feel like I can teach, I'll give you some kind of update, let you know what's going on. We'll figure, we'll figure something out. We will figure something out. I, I know that, but I know some of the sermon reviews, definitely I, you got to be, whew, your mind's got to be sharp uh, in trying to do that. I, I don't feel like I did a great job with that this morning either, um, but especially if I'm, we're going to go back to Jack Hibbs and review those sermons on Revelation 17 and uh, wow, all of his crazy theories. We definitely, I definitely got to have my mind sharp to try to catch all the bad history and bad arguments being made. So I'll choose carefully. And uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out this week. I, I promise you. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening. And please, I beg you, make the most of this week doing what you can for the Bible study exercise. You may not be able to do everything, but do what you can. Get the most out of it. And uh, let's talk about it. All right. Everyone have a great night. God bless.